as I said, the young people have chosen this theme of hope, hope that keeps us going. And as we were talking and planning about this service and about the idea, we, we mentioned that there are lots of things in our lives and in our world that discourage our hope. It might be kind of frightening wars going on in the world. Or maybe it's just sort of living in an increasingly anti-Christian world. We feel perhaps quite lonely. Maybe we're the only Christian in our school and everyone's just so kind of different to us, something like that. Maybe we get mocked or people take the mick out of us. And it's hard to stand up and, and, and say, I'm a Christian, particularly when you're a young person, perhaps, in school. And it's not just around us either. It's inside of us as well. Uh, maybe it's our constant battle with sin. Are we ever going to get over this? And that kind of gets us down. Maybe it's a, a sickness we've had for a long time or just suffering in general. There's lots of things like that that cause us to to lose hope, hope that it will ever get better. And when we lose hope, well then we might want to give up completely. Hope is, is an extremely powerful and important thing, isn't it, if you think about it. I was dipping into a bit of psychological research this week about hope, and it clearly shows how crucial hope is to our well-being and our happiness. Hopeful people are happier and healthier. Hope keeps us going, moving forward, looking forward, and not giving up. But have you ever met somebody who has absolutely no hope? Maybe you are or have been that person. A hopeless person. They might want to give up on life altogether. And there are a lot of hopeless people in our world. Or maybe you've had your hopes disappointed. Whether it's England losing the Rugby World Cup. All right, don't be so gleeful, you South Africans over there. (laughs) Or maybe it's more significant things. Like hope to be married, hope to have children or something like that. Having no hope is bad enough, but disappointed hope, that could be just as crushing If we were to define hope, we could say something like this, that it is a desire or expectation for a better future. A desire or expectation for a better future. But don't you think sometimes hope can sometimes sound a bit more like wishful thinking? Right, We're just wishing, we're hoping. It's that kind of bit more empty. It's not so certain. Someone can hope to win the lottery, right? But the, <laughs> the reality is quite different. The odds are stacked against them. But they will cling to that tiny little bit of superficial hope and still play the lottery, maybe. Is Christian hope like that? Is it a little bit kind of empty? Is it just wishful thinking? Well, the Bible shows us that hope isn't wishful thinking, but rather it's a confident expectation that will not 
disappoint us. So I want us to think about Christian hope this morning as the young people want us to. From Romans 5, we'll use that as sort of a launching pad. And we're going to think about it in three ways. Hope, Christian hope, is focused on the future. It's rooted in the past. And thirdly, it transforms our present. First thing, hope that keeps us going is focused on the future. If Christian hope is the confident expectation of a better future, then it isn't hard to see why that's the case. The world, our lives are full of bad things that we wish weren't there. The better future is quite easy to imagine, isn't it? No more evil. No more sin. No more suffering. No more death. Does your hope reach as far as that? And our hope is a future with none of those things. Uh, If you look at verse 2 of Romans 5, Paul talks about our joyful hope of the glory of God. Now that's a packed little phrase. It's really kind of shorthand for thinking about this glorious future that God has in store for us where everything will be made right Everything will be perfected. There will be no more evil or sin or suffering or death. The glory of God. That's what it's going to look like. Now, I wonder what pops into your head as you think about that kind of future. Maybe you're thinking of like, is that heaven? Are we thinking about heaven? Uh, For lots of people, the idea of heaven is actually a little bit dull, perhaps, maybe, right? Uh, Lots of clouds, you know, people floating around in sort of funny gowns. Maybe there's a few harps thrown in there. Lots of singing. Maybe it's just one long, very, very long church service. It's not particularly kind of exciting or appealing. It's very different to what we're used to. It's not very relatable. It feels more like a, a dream. It feels a bit boring. It feels a bit fluffy. It's kind of, I can't really get my head around it. But... The reality, as the Bible reveals it to us, is far more than that. It's incredible, in fact. You see, heaven, which isn't much like what I've described anyway, isn't our final destination. You don't want to stay in heaven. There's more, you see. The better future of the glory of God that's in store for us is in a renewed and transformed world. A new heaven and a new earth. Floating around on the clouds is nothing like this world, is it? But the new world will have substance and form, something we can really experience and enjoy. A new world where sin and evil and suffering and death are gone forever, never to return. Can you imagine a world like that? So listen, it won't be anything less than the good things in this present world, but all that much, much more. A new physical world full of good things, without the disappointment, without anything to threaten it or spoil it. Good You'll like this, Connect and United. Good food and feasting. 
wonderful friendships, long walks in the countryside, satisfying work, amazing music, healthy bodies, belly-aching laughter, swimming in the ocean, watching the sunset, a new world full of life. I love um, C.S. Lewis's imaginative portrayal of this hope in his Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia book. Some of you have read that. Maybe you've seen the movies. In, in the final book of the series, The Last Battle, the children have gone from Narnia. It looks like Narnia sort of wrapped up and, 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 and gone away. And they emerge into a new world. And, and they're trying to figure out where they are. So here's a quote from that book. If you ask me, said Edmund, it's like somewhere in the Narnian world. Look at those mountains ahead. Surely they're rather like the mountains we used to see from Narnia. Yes, so they are, said Peter. Only these are bigger. And those hills, said Lucy, aren't they very like the southern border of Narnia? Like, cried Edmund after a moment's silence. Why, they're exactly like. And yet they're not like, said Lucy. They're different. They have more colours on them. And they look further away than I remembered. And they're more, more, oh, I don't know. More like the real thing, said the Lord Diggory softly. And then there's this moment where um, uh, an eagle called Farsight flies up into the air. And he, he looks around and then he comes back down and he says, I've seen it. I've seen it all. He says, Narnia is not dead. This is Narnia. And it goes on. Um, it was the unicorn who summed up what everyone was feeling. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Isn't it wonderful? I, I love C.S. Lewis is, 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 is using story to help us see this new world. Like this world, but whoa, better, way better, grander, more glorious, something we will enjoy exploring for all eternity. Can you imagine that? Let's just imagine it together. What are your favourite things to do in this world that you think you might get to enjoy perfectly in that new world? Maybe it's walking in nature or eating good food or something like that. Surely, the new world that God is going to give us will be like that and better. Can you imagine it? That's our hope. That's the future. But it sounds too good to be true. <laughs> oh, it's nice to think about it, but it's too good to be true. Isn't that just wishful thinking? No, no better than imagining if you won the lottery. Well, it isn't just wishful thinking because Christian hope is rooted in the past. We can have a confident expectation for this future glory of God because of what Jesus has already done for us in the past. And Paul points us to that here. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul has been showing in the letter of Romans that the only way of salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. It's not by keeping lots of laws and and obeying lots of laws and being really good people or being a Jew as opposed to a Gentile, things like that. None of those things can save you. Only faith in Jesus Christ. That's what saves us or justifies us is the word he uses here. God counts us as right with him now. He gives us his righteousness. You can't make yourself right with God. That's what he's been saying. And, and he's pointing it to what Jesus has already done. He's already done everything necessary for our salvation, for us to be able to have this future. Paul's pointing us back, really, back to Christ. So, so because of our sin, we are alienated from God. But Jesus has come. He is, we've been singing this, Emmanuel. God with us. He's done that. Uh, Because of sin, we are in debt to God and worthy of his punishment. But Christ has already died to take away all of our sins. Your debt has been paid. You are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are free. That's already happened. Christ has dealt already with the problem of death and decay by rising again from the dead. A preview of the new physical life he will give to us. All that's already happened too. And Christ has already ascended to heaven where he is ruling the universe, bringing about his purposes in order to give us and secure to us that future hope. So these things are already true, folks. These are historical realities. Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is ascended. And because he's done all of this for us, it secures our future with him. It gives us confident hope that the future is not just wishful thinking. It's already been paid and bought for. Uh, before the end of uh, the 15th century, so quite a long time ago, no European sailor had made it past the southern tip of Africa, where you've got the Atlantic and Indian Ocean sort of clashing together. Those waters are quite treacherous. treacherous. Um, and that headland was known as the Cape of Storms. You guys might know this, right? The Cape of Storms. That's what it was called. People would shipwreck there and die and all sorts. Then... In 19, uh, sorry, 1497, it was a bit bit longer ago, a Portuguese sailor known as Vasco da Gama not only made it past the Cape of Storms, but all the way to India and then back again. Now, if you were the next sailor to come along and you knew about this guy, da Gama, right, how would you feel as you approach the Cape of Storms? you'd feel surely a bit of hope. More hope than you did before because, well, whereas others had perished there and everybody else before you had perished, now you know someone's gone through it and come back. Isn't there hope for you? Well, after that point in 1497, that Cape of Storms was renamed to what? The Cape of Good Hope. That's the kind of hope, the life, 
and resurrection of Jesus gives us. If he rose, then so will we. Death is now our cape of good hope. It's secure. There's confidence because it's rooted in the past. It's not wishful thinking. Our faith is in that and what Jesus has done. Our faith is in him now that he will bring us there to be with him. But is it only just kind of a future thing? Is that, is that all we've got to look forward to? What about now, though? What about our present? What difference can this make to us today? Well, here's a final thing to see briefly. Christian hope transforms our present. As I've already said, hope is, is a powerful human necessity. It motivates us to live. It gets you out of bed in the morning. And hope itself can fill us with joy and peace, even in the most difficult circumstances. You could be going through the most awful thing in the world, but if you've got hope, you can keep going. You can even have some joy and peace in the midst of it all. Imagine you've been diagnosed with a terribly serious, horrible disease and illness, and, and your only hope is to have a very serious medical procedure. Now, you may be frightened going into it. You may know there's some pain that you'll have to experience. But you're willing to endure all of that because you've got some hope. So um, hope like this makes a difference. It makes a difference right now, today, because it will keep us going through our sufferings. So Paul says here, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But more than that, verse 3, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Imagine you're training to be like a long-distance runner or, or a weightlifter. Uh, at first, it's maybe really, really hard. You're, you're weak, you're, your muscles are a bit flabby and fatty, right? And it's quite hard and hard going. But the more you try, the more you suffer through that training and, and break that sweat, the stronger you get. And the further you can go, the heavier you can lift. And then in turn... Uh, distances that you thought you'd never be able to run and, and weights you thought you'd never be able to lift. Now, now looks a bit more plausible. Yeah, I, I feel strong enough. I could do that now. Your hope has grown too. This is what Paul's saying. While we're waiting for our future hope, in the meantime, our sufferings aren't just things come just to get through, but are themselves... Working to strengthen our faith, our Jesus-like character, and our hope. Suffering is not just an inconvenience, but an opportunity. So then not only can we have joy and hope in suffering, but verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. As I said, disappointed hope is a, is a pretty horrible thing. But Christian hope won't be like that. 
Well, how can we know? Well, because one of the things you could say here is that we are already experiencing a taste of what that better future will be like. It's kind of bleeding in a little bit, stepping in a little bit to our life now. It's not just all in the future. We're getting a little bit of it now. How? Because God, it says, is pouring out his love and Holy Spirit into our hearts now. Remember, that better future we're all hoping for, that new world, will be so good. is because it is where God is. It's where Jesus is. We'll be with him and experiencing and tasting his love. But we get to taste that love now. We have his Holy Spirit now. Jesus is with us now, not just all in the future. This is another reason why our our hope is a confident expectation, because we're already tasting it. Um, Imagine, I don't know if our connect are into Taylor Swift, right? She's a pop singer. But imagine a girl, right? Or it could be a guy, uh, who is desperate to go and see Taylor Swift in concert, all right? And begs and begs and begs, mum and dad, please, I really want to go. Will you buy me some tickets to go and see Taylor Swift in concert? And eventually, like, all right, they give in and they buy the tickets. And they tell her, we bought you those tickets to Taylor. <gasps> and joy fills up her life right there and then. Oh, she's so thrilled. And then a couple of weeks later, there's a, there's a rattle through the door and up there's an envelope there. And in that envelope are the tickets to go and see Taylor Swift. And now the joy is, well, it's thriving again. She's got a, a tangible gift, a tangible token of what is still to come. And so she runs upstairs and what does she do? She sticks on her Taylor Swift albums and she's dancing away. She's, she's imagining being at the concert there and she's, she's choosing what to wear. She's changing her outfits to make sure she's got the right outfit. She's, she's already there and she's already tasting. She's got a, a ticket Huge expectation grows. Hope is great. She's already experiencing the joy of it. And in a very, very, very small way, this is Christian hope. We already have, if I can put it this way, the tickets. We have the Spirit who is the deposit guaranteeing that future. We have the love of God poured out in our hearts right now today. He loves you. And it's already transforming us as we put off that old life of sin and put on Jesus Christ. We're getting ready for the concept. A new life with Jesus. Christian hope transforms our present. Christian hope is focused on the future. A glorious future. A new world free from sin and evil and suffering and death. Everything good about this world but perfected. It is a confident hope, not wishful thinking, because it's rooted in what Christ has already bought for us. It's also a hope that transforms our present sufferings, because we see how they're bringing that future reality into our present right now, through the love and the Spirit of God. So, Christchurch, so, connect, united. Don't give up. Keep going. You have hope. Do you have hope today? What is it that causes you to lose hope or to despair? The Bible says if you don't have God, you don't have hope. Can I encourage you and invite you? Come again. Whether you're a 
You've been a Christian for years and you've just lost some hope. Maybe you're not a Christian at all. You've never trusted in Jesus. Come back to him and find hope today.